goes home, Chicago! And don't worry, I'll have, a, I'll have some speaks with that home plate umpire after the game. Savoring Sweetness, the life and times of Walter Payton. Welcome to Savoring Sweetness, the Walter Payton podcast. I am Rick Tarsitano, the one that put most of that together. I am joined by the one, the only, Jarrett Payton. What's going on, man? The busy day, obviously, for you. Oh, man. Uh, busy is... I don't even know if busy is the word, man. It's a. It's an emotional day. It's been a... A day of reflecting. It's it's been pretty amazing, and to now see my dad, bronze statue outside of Gate Zero, it solidifies that quote that he always talked about. You know, when you're good, you'll tell everybody, but when you're great, they'll tell you. The city of Chicago, and the Bears told him today with this amazing honor. Was it everything you thought it was going to be? Yeah, I you know. Sometimes leading up to big events, especially for my dad, you don't you don't know what to expect. You're like, oh, is it going to be big? Is it going to be too huge? It was perfect because everybody who we wanted there, family-wise, was there. And, and it was cool to kind of interact, and, and especially for the grandkids of the family because they – they all know who grandpa is. And so they see pictures all the time, but n- to see them look at this statue, it was like, holy cow. And I think two moments that got me today was when the sculptor who made the statue came up and gave my son, Chad uh, Fisher came up and gave my son like the head part of it with like the helmet and gave it to him and said, this is for your room. And I started crying. And then the last time was we were all sitting around at the end, my sister and I, and she just started crying, and I did. And my my daughter runs up and goes, oh, I got to say bye to Papa. And she kisses the base where his name is and just ran away. And I just was like, oh, That's that, amazing. Because she knows know. who he is on TV, but to like, and, and that she can recognize him. I mean, she's what, three years old? She's three and just knows that's that's Papa. And it makes me feel good because it makes me feel like I've, I've done my job of really helping keeping his legacy alive like I do every day. Mm-hmm. But for my kids, um, you know, I want them to know as much about their grandpa as possible. So I think throughout this whole entire process of making this unbelievable special, I've learned a lot about him and I've also learned a lot about myself and I've by talking to the people we talk to, to listening to stories. And I think the, the probably the biggest thing that I learned was the emails that I got from when we posted that post on Facebook yeah. asking people to send pictures. That was a ridiculous reply rate. It, it was, <laughs> it, it, I was talking to Mullion Hall and they asked me about it. Like, what did I learn from like one of his teammates? And I'm like, nothing that I didn't already know. They went into detail about like some cool stuff or their relationship, but the fans, the fans are the ones that I learned the most from because they all had a story from a picture that they sent of when they met him. And now, not only are we taking this from TV to a podcast, I had a conversation today that 
might even go into a book down the line of all those people that sent me pictures in it's yeah insane. so we should we should mention we are recording this the day before savoring sweetness airs uh if you didn't see it today we're going to date ourselves <laughs> september 4th at seven o'clock you're going to get a chance to see it again on wgn and cltv check your local listings but this is the podcast form and what this allows us to do is all that stuff that ended up on the cutting room floor or that we couldn't uh, air due to whatever purposes we're able to put in audio form for you guys to listen to long form and we are going to get to a lot of those pictures that people sent in with those stories because like you said you and your sister your mom everybody is inundated with oh i hear stories all the time but there's no way that you can remember them and to have them written down and to read some of those it was really touching yeah these uh people and bears fans are unique in the sense of how they truly truly love this organization and they love the players that played for this organization so being from chicago you can be a Cubs fan, you could be a Sox fan, you can be a Bulls fan, but it's being a Bears fan is totally different. Oh, it's absolutely different. And, and it's to, a unifier. Yeah, and to hear these people talk about these stories, it just amazes me. And it amazes me because I'm trying to figure out how, in 45 years, how did my dad meet that, that many, many people? people? Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. It makes no sense. Yeah. And it, I feel like I'm going to be that way when whenever it's time for me to go that like people are going to say that to my son and my daughter like yo i met your dad here he gave me time and to me that's what keeps your legacy going and that's why my dad is so beloved to this day well and what the special does is it kind of gives you the snapshots and the beats of the different parts of his life and as as much as you can do in the 45 minutes to reflect 45 years but one of the stars of the show and who my wife gravitated toward immediately is Steve McMichael. <laughs> and uh, Mongo is who we were going to talk about tonight and who we're going to let people hear the full unfiltered interview about. When did you, what's your like earliest memory of, of Mongo? Man, probably somewhere in, in the locker room when I was at least like five or six and running around and, you know, acting bad in the locker room just because in some way I knew that my dad was like the guy because everybody, I always saw everybody around him and I was like, oh, my dad's like, he's like the cool guy. <laughs> so I can do whatever I want to do. And one day I, I was taking hot chocolate packets and I was ripping them open and I was just throwing the powder everywhere. Nice. And Mago like picked me up and like taped me with like athletic tapes, so, like my hands and stuff. So I couldn't <laughs> he move. He taped you up. Yeah. So I remember that's like the early memory. Uh, the later memory was uh, 2010 when I, the year I last played football, I played with him. He was my coach for the Chicago Slaughter. Yeah. So, how did that happen? Yo, it, you know, I mean, is that just kismet where like you're looking for a team and no, he's looking for it, a player? It, no, it was I was it was a roller coaster because I got done with uh playing over in Canada and I didn't have nowhere else to go. And I'm thinking to myself, like this is an it was an opportunity to play and it was also a business decision to be closer to home and like I wanted to play, but you know, my wife and I were just recently married and I don't want to be moving on the road. And I'm like, maybe I could just do this and just see where this takes me for the next couple of years and then I could just end it here. And after my first year playing in indoor football, I knew that I'm 30 years old, my body's not getting any younger, and him and I sat down and talked. And it was also Jim McMahon. We, The three of us sat down and we had a conversation and like, yo, why don't you just do it? 
And he's like, come play for me. And Max, like, it'd be cool. Like, where else are you going to go? Where are you going to go, baby? Hey, where, you, where you go? Come over here and play with me now, baby. You know I'll feed you the ball eight times in a game now, baby. What's he like as a head coach? <laughs> I mean, it's like a – I don't is know. he serious? Like he was serious, but he was he he was it was great to be around him. Not just football X's and O's, but he is exactly what I needed at that time in my life. Like to talk about the other stuff outside of football, the stuff that I was dealing with of trying to like figure out who I was away from the game because I struggled with that. I didn't know what I was going to be like after I got done playing sports. Is all I did from four years old all the way up to 30 I right. never stopped so he was he's a deep dude and just talking to him today at the the field and I told him you know like oh thanks thanks again for talking to us and he, he basically goes yeah I'm the comic relief in your Shakespearean drama I'm yeah like, he said not just that because he gets deep in that he gets philosophical when he's talking <laughs> when he was talking about you know in gladiator what you say will echo for eternity, baby. That's your daddy. Right. And I guess the, the thing that I learned about him is just how much of a caring and thoughtful person he is. He's not like a big lug who who's, who's a dummy. Like he no. he gets how, no. li- how life is and, and the inner workings of people's relationships, and, and he's a deep thinker. And I don't know if people give him enough credit, Rick, for uh, the football player that he was. I mean, he – his numbers, when you look at his numbers, he's got, like, Hall of Fame numbers, you know, like, to, for what he did. And the two guys on the outside that benefited from him are in the Hall of Fame. Right. And he sucks up. He reminds me of, like, the Keith Trailer, Ted Washington days with Erlacher where he sucks up all that attention on the inside so that everybody can do their thing on the outside. I mean, that's why he gets overlooked. But he was a heck of a football player. And longevity. I mean, yeah. I think he said it. He beat your dad by one game on, like, the most consecutive games played streak. Yeah. I yeah. mean – that doesn't happen. No. <laughs> you have to you have to be a monster to be able to be like that. And playing that position, playing running back, both those positions, it's not easy. No. And I for me, he's he's this outside of you and your dad, he is the the star of, of this special just because he is Oh, I'm not com- the star. The, he is completely unfiltered. And and I've not heard him any other way. I remember with the thirty year reunion no. he's the same way. And there's something to be said about that in today's Mongo game. is a star. Yeah. Mongo's a star of this special. Right. He is. Every time my wife and I just sat and watched it in the rough copy, and she said the exact same thing she said when we saw the half an hour special. Mongo, he he's the guy. I was like, that's all that matters, man, because he brings you, he gives you a little bit of everything, and he does. He kind of, he is that comic relief, but he's also you know he's genuine when he's saying what he's saying. And, and I, it, it, the thing that struck me is, and, and I heard, overheard him talking about this when everybody was talking to him, obviously, about the statue standing in front of it, that your dad, because he wasn't drafted by the Bears, I think he was drafted by the Patriots, when he came to the team, he well, he was the first one that welcomed him with open arms. Yeah. And for him to do that so that Mongo could then take that leadership role and be that big personality. Because, you know, you're not that your dad would ever do this, but if he wasn't as welcoming, I don't know if Mongo would have let his hair down as quickly. I mean, maybe he could have, no. but it could have been combative. It yeah, been it could have been a power struggle. And just to have the guy, you know, on a squad. And we know even nowadays when you look at who that guy is on all these different squads, you know, it's if it's normally 
everybody kind of follows the way that they're going. And people knew when it, it came down to it, as they started, the Bears started to get better, that, you know, they had to follow my dad's lead. And he, the way he worked, the way that he prepared. And Mago was all about that, though. And I think that's what made it so cool is that, yeah, they might not have hung out all the time, but they respected one another. And when you're a hard worker, you grind, you know, my dad saw that and respected that out of him. And I think that's why he opened his arms said, here, you got to come in, be you, do what you got to do. And that's what made that team so special, though, that 85 team, because all those guys were had these different mentalities and, and just characteristics that, you know, that set them all apart. But they found a way to be able to bring that all together to win, and Mongo was a big part of that. Yeah, he's he's the character. He's he's the one that's going to make you laugh, make you cry. So without further ado, here's Jarrett and my close talk with Steve McMichael. Do you remember the first time you met him? Oh, yeah. Me and the receiver James Scott was out partying at some of his bars in Schaumburg when I first got to town. That was, You know, him and James were buddies. Well, you know, he's with your mama, so he ain't out partying with us. And James was happy to show me the bachelor world out there. So we went out there and when it closed down, he said, let's go over and talk to Walter. So we went over to y'all's house. And I remember your mama, there was a sunken living room and me and James sitting in there and your daddy got up to talk to us. He was the first one in town because I got kicked out of New England being the bad element in everybody's mind. So blackballed. Even the guys on the team, Mongo. That was a diss. I wasn't like them. He opened his arms up and let me in his, got up out of his bed. Mong, see me, Michael's here? He wanted that around him, baby. You get a chance to, to be around him. You probably heard before you got here what he did from the 70s to, you know, when you got here in the 80s. He took an ass whipping before I got here, baby. When I toughened everybody up in practice, he was taking less of an ass whipping. That's why he loved me. Did you ever get a chance to uh, see him work out or outside of? I wasn't going to run up that hill one time with him. You know why? I wanted to run downhill, baby. I know he had to run uphill. Ooh, I called his, the offensive line he had when I first got here, the dock workers. Good union boys, but they'll take their time doing that in that union, won't they? <laughs> what kind of practice player was he? People don't realize why I consider your daddy the best running back of all time. Because I played with Earl Campbell at Texas, and that's a bulldozer, baby. Oh, he gonna knock you out of his way. All right, I played against Eric Dickerson. Oh man, he was so fast. They make a hole, he gone. All right, I played against Barry Sanders. Little water spider running around, couldn't even catch him. There was a, he ran this way, I cut him off. He ran back that way and I cut another, took another cutoff angle. He got, spins around that and starts up field for a touchdown. You can see me in the end zone copy of the film going, hell with it. Gone. But your daddy, I consider him the greatest of all time because all those other guys I just mentioned see me coming, they run away from me. Your daddy would stand there, bring it on. We wouldn't hit him in practice like we did everybody else because he's gonna take enough beating in the game, baby. We need him to play. So we'd pull up on him. It would piss him off. Come on! That's why he was the greatest running back of all time in my mind. 
You guys went out a lot. You talked about it being at Studebakers and 34s back in those days. Oh, your daddy had some good clubs. Yeah, I know he had some good clubs. What what were people like? I know he always took time to to talk to people when I was with him, but did you ever see how people interacted with him when they would see him? You know how, how many people in this town, long before you was born, got a picture of him with them and he's smiling with them in it? How many divas you know like that today? And they all wonder why everybody looks at Walter Payton like they do and, and then looks at them like, who are you? You know, I got to tell people to this day, who are you? I don't know who you are. You know what I tell them? We're even. I don't know who the hell you are either. <laughs> but I'm working on it. You know, I got in my little bag, I got all kinds of free autographs. I tell them, if you think I'm something, I'm happy to agree with you. I always say you talked about it earlier today, about when you turn on the film, when you look, watch other running backs, you named all those guys. But when you turn on my dad's film, they know how you, I like you, you see him do everything. No you, highlight like that. You know, there's guys like Eric Dickerson, they make a hole and zoom, he's gone. Your daddy could do that too, but Eric ain't bouncing off of nobody. All right. Barry Sanders, he's going to run around and make you miss because he's quicker than you, but he ain't going to hit that hole like your daddy did. And your daddy had that too. Earl Campbell, your daddy would lower his head and drive you for the first down. Well, that's what Earl Campbell did, but your daddy didn't have all that stuff. Your da- uh, your Earl didn't have all that stuff your daddy did either, did he? He had in the whole package. He could have been our punter. Could you have seen him playing defense? Oh, yeah. Yeah, but the way he would have played, uh, they would have suspended him and fined him so much he couldn't have played football. Ugh. And we, uh, he coming for your head. He always was coming for your head. It was, he, he was, he played with a, a different mentality, man. And, and I think when guys like you came around, it was a great kind of even it out just a That's little bit. That's what I bit. mean. He, he, here's the, one of the brotherhood on the team finally with him. He's why I said he opened his arms to me. When he thought, when most guys that are running backs on the team, this caveman's going to try to kill me in practice and I want him on the team. That wasn't your daddy's perception. When you look at him and that time, well, Matt was there. Do you ever really study their relationship and watch how, you know, as a running back, you got to have a fullback to be able to block for you. And those two not only became good friends on the field, you know they became good friends off the field as well. Matt was so smart, baby, you know this, that when it come time for him to block somebody, he was reading, he went, there's my guy to block and I got, you know, if Walter's supposed to go outside, I got to cut him off from going outside. Matt would look at the defense and the strength of the defense, that play ain't going to be able to go outside. So he knows Walter's going to have to cut back on that play. Well, he cuts the golf on the inside so he can't come back and get your daddy in that play. He just ain't blocking him, trying to keep him from going outside, you understand? That was Matt's genius for your dad. That's why they were a symbiotic relationship. Matt knew where Walter was going to run. You know, your daddy just didn't run out there and go, oh, I can't run there and change direction. He knew. But when you, you got to start that way to get those guys pursuing, and now this is open. All right, you got to tell me a good story that is clean. 
God, tell me a clean... Can we get up here? Come here. Come here. We'll still be in the camera. Come here. I'm going to show you what your daddy would do to me almost every day. Yeah, pick that camera up. Now, right here. You know, I walked around like, like a gunslinger because I had big lats and muscles. So, you know, I could barely wipe my own ass walking around. But Walter, thinking that was funny, most every day, he'd walk up behind me and grab me like this and hold on. And I would act like I couldn't get loose. I'd go, oh, Uncle Walter. Oh, then he'd walk away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I think about it. I think about it all the time. And I don't think I've ever asked you this question. You know what, what I think about? What? How in danger you were running around that, in that complex with your diaper on. Because you remember the massive amount of weights I would lift in that weight room. I mean, 400-pound cleaning jerk, wham, and boom, hit the floor, and, and you come running by. What if that would have hit you? Good Lord. I did it to Quincy Wilson. Never got at you because I was going to get you because he's too fast. Got Quincy. Got some white athletic tape and taped his little ass to a 45-pound weight. So I was pretty secure he, dragging that around, and he wasn't going to run up under some 400-pound worth of uh, weight. So Uncle Mongo was looking out for you. Good Lord. Practical joker. Well, that's what, what I mean by it. Then he would walk around like, oh, I'm muzzled. But did you, were you ever around? But all the, the, the favorite thing he would do to the rookies. The rookies got to go get donuts, all right? Well, before everybody comes into the locker room, he's going to get a, you know, one rookie gets it and all the other ones are going to be late. After, that first, after the rookie whose responsibility was to get them donuts that week, had already had them at the counter. Walter would go get a glazed donut. No, no, no icing on it, just glazed. And go dunking in the paraffin wax bath that you'd stick your sore hands in and, and put it on top of that thing. And it, man, it looked like a quadruple glazed donut and sit it in there. And every week, some little dumbass would get it and try to eat it and have wax in their mouth. Your daddy would be over in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Firecrackers? He couldn't do that in modern day Amber Alerts now because it would scare the piss out of everybody. Get a cigarette, and it, you know how you see it keeps burning in the ashtray. It don't go out until it gets to the butt. Well, he would get an M80 firework and tape that thing right there where it was going to burn down to the filter. And, you know, how long does that take? Ten minutes? Or did he light that cigarette and have that M80 on the bottom of it and go put it in the practice field somewhere, in the grass, right in the middle of the field? And, you know, when you're, when you're out there, okay, everybody, just calisthenics. Boom! I'm surprised there wasn't more shit in football pants. <laughs> oh, man. You got too many stories. About your daddy. Good man, man, good. Look, not too many people live up to the standard of what humanity should be about, and your daddy did it. You know, every man's born with sin, that little bad voice. Just like I said, he had, he had some great bars, target-rich environments when I was young and single. Me and James Scott was out, but he wasn't with us. He's at home with your mama. You understand? That's, that's the humanity's morality, not what you learn from God. 
But Jesus is pretty hard to live up to, ain't he? He is. Question for you. What was uh, the moment like when you found out my dad was sick? Wow. I've had a phobia since my father was murdered when I was 19, Jared, seeing him in his coffin. I don't want to see anybody like that again. I want to remember them when they were alive and vibrant, and that's how I do your daddy. I don't have recollection of your daddy in his coffin, or he's dead even. I just remember the past and what happened in those times. That's, that's, that's immortality. You know, like in Gladiator, when it says what you do in life echoes in eternity. For eternity, your daddy's name's gonna echo because of who he was, not what he did on a football field. You know, what he did on adds to that. But if you ain't a good person with it, you ain't gonna be remembered. You're just another asshole that played. That's why he's gonna be remembered forever. Statues that, that even over time, arms and legs and heads fall off. You know, like those old Greek marble statues? They start eroding and breaking down. Yeah, not your daddy's statue. Everybody should follow the way he was and the way he played the game. And maybe one of these days in eternity, somebody will actually do what he did again. Gonna be real hard to do more, I promise you. I didn't even get that done. I know your daddy, his rookie year, missed a, his only game he didn't play because his ankle was sprained. That's how he, had, he played in 190 straight games. I played in 191 and beat his record because he didn't play in that game. And he lamented not playing in that game later on in his career. Should have done it. You know why? This is what a, a real warrior knows when they walk out the tunnel. There ain't no pain. You might be limping. I would get my knee drained in the locker room and be needle sore and limping walking out. And when the roar of that crowd hit me, adrenaline and endorphins ain't no more pain. If you're really who you say you are, and that's who your daddy was. Over the years you've talked about I would say it's fair to say you don't, didn't have a lot of respect for many offensive players, but he was different. Yes, I did. Got the ultimate respect for Joe Montana. Never had a bounty on him. The guys I didn't respect, I'm gonna have a bounty on you. I'm gonna sell police up the league if they're not gonna do it. You know, I would watch film all these years later, everybody, all oh, those assholes are putting bounties on players, other team trying to hurt them, get them out of the game. I was, I was putting bounties on guys I saw that were cheap shotting the other teams and playing beyond the rules. I'm gonna, if the league ain't gonna fine and suspend you, I'm gonna put a bounty on you. Try to get you hurt and get you out of the game before you hurt somebody. You understand that? You know, that, that kind of explanation, all oh, then, oh, he's an asshole putting bounties, kind of washed away, don't it? You know, what was his name in Green Bay, the dump McMahon on his shoulder? We just talked about him. Charles Martin. Till the day he retired, I had a bounty on him after he did that. 
If that's how you're going to play. But, but you respected Walter more so than most offensive players. Uh, I respected anybody that could have played most every position in football. What a safety he would have been. You understand? He could kick and punt. I promise you, he, he could have played quarterback like Russell Wilson does now. Because he could throw the ball. One of the things we were talking about before we went on air is the, the nicknames. We didn't touch on sweetness. Did you call him that? No. No. What, what did you think of the nickname? I mean, it seems pretty apt because it describes him off the field and on the field, right? Not really on the field, baby. You think he was sweet running at you? You're going to get a forearm to the mug or a head in the gut. That ain't sweet. The way he was, the way he was in his life, he was a nice guy. He was sweet to people. You know that picture I just showed you I carry around in my bag? He was a sweet guy, sweetness. And he liked uh, emulating Michael Jackson's and, and Mike Tyson's voice. He could do them good. Ooh, sweetness. You still got that black Maserati he drove around in? Everything's gone. Boy, it's a good thing. He, was, he taught me to be a friend of the cops back then. They pull you over and roll the window down. Oh, it's you going. When you're going 160 in your Maserati. Walter was never late. <laughs> so that's Steve McMichael. Uh, I think you can kind of tell what we were talking about in terms of the ups and flows in the roller coaster ride that is Mongo. Uh, this that is the unfiltered version. I had to get the bleep butt heavily bleep button heavily used for the actual special. Yeah, you did, baby. Uh, <laughs> I think my favorite part that I didn't want to double dip on is the him describing how he put M80s. Your dad put live M80s on a practice field so that people would be caught off guard. Yeah. I mean, I can't, that would be headline news today. I know. It, <laughs> it's, just think about it. There's some of the stuff that he did, it, it just, that's what is so cool about this process is that um, this is some of the stuff that I knew, um, but you, the, you got a chance to like sit and hear a lot of these stories and it's gotta be cool for you being a Bears fan and being a fan of my dad to like, be able to sit down and talk with these guys. And that's why when we split this up the way that we did with interviews and, you know, we, I feel like through the process, the people that are listening are going to really love all these interviews because I, th I, we did it the right way. Yeah. And the, we, we did it the right you, way. I needed to talk to your mom and yeah, your sister like, because, exactly. because they're not going to, I mean, they're going to, they're going to be like, you already know that. they're yeah. going to say things that, they wouldn't say things to you that they already know you know. Yeah. Whereas with me, I'm coming. And I knew from. with Mongo that I would get something like deep out of him and like some like roller coaster ride of emotions with him throughout the interview. And yeah, he gets to talk about your daddy. Like yeah. It's it's like a sit on my knee. I mean, you're 30. And, and some we, years old, he's not going to sit in his lap, but it's basically like he's telling the old story. And we had really good <clears throat> interviews. Uh, this one was was pretty special. And that's why I wanted everybody to hear it first, just to kind of get a feel for what this experience was like. And you mentioned that I'm a huge Bears fan. For people that don't know me, my dad's favorite player was Walter Payton. My favorite player was Walter Payton. And, and in learning about what I used to do when I was a kid, when I'd go to my dad's house, apparently I'd get a choice of what I could watch. 
and we had these jewel videos i don't know if you remember but there was jewel videos about one there's one about like mike ditka one about your dad and i would just pick your dad's video all the time i don't remember i remember watching your dad's highlights a lot but i was only like three when he retired so that didn't check out as to how i'd seen so many but now it makes sense I'd, i've watched the jewel video of walter payton like 20 times so we gotta find those yeah somewhere but there's plenty more of these podcasts coming up uh we still have to release your conversation with jim mcmahon uh with we both talked to gary fensick we're gonna release the one about um from your mom and from your sister we're gonna meet kevin uh kelly kevin kelly yeah that's another gem yeah a, a guy that was a fan just like me was working out your dad saw how hard he was working out and took him under his wing and became training buddies for what the the last uh, seven seven years maybe i think of his career unbelievable it's yeah. just something that you would if you wrote it that it, is that's a classic that doesn't happen and then he ends up being your football coach don't, don't give him too much it's ridiculous don't All give right. him too much plenty more of this please subscribe to savoring sweetness the walter payton podcast plenty more of these stories to come and we are going to talk about all of the fans who wrote in and sent pictures and we're going to try to read a few of them on the air um we'll talk to you next time